0: Hey guys, what's up? This is uh, week 47. Uh, let me address a couple things. This is going to be, I'll be at Cinema Wasteland when this uh, d- uh, goes on, goes live. Or uh, maybe I'll post it a day early. That way I won't have to screw with posting on sites and everything like that. So that might be up Friday. Instead of Saturday. So if you're wondering why it's a day early. That's why. I have some reviews for you. Pick a movie. The typical stuff. Uh, I did uh, watch the remake of Cabin Fever. I'm not going to review it. Because I really don't have anything to say about it. Except it felt really weird and pointless. And just didn't do anything better than the original. And the tone wasn't. It, it was trying to be a little too serious. Compared to the original. But it also wasn't goofy enough. Or or serious enough to really fit into anything. And do anything well. I thought the acting was weaker. Thought the effects were weaker. Thought that uh, maybe some of the camera work was a little bit better because of the budget and that stuff. Just uh, technology let them do some... Uh, yeah, Not even camera work better. They just had uh, more technology so they could do like drone shots and overhead shots and stuff like that. Uh, not really worth watching. I would just say watch the original again. I mean, it's hard to... The first one has like a little lightning in a bottle kind of deal where it's just right time, right place. Uh, really good homage to what it was doing. And this one is just not different enough. Uh to be even worth watching, but it doesn't even do that well. So I don't even know what to say about it. It's just really pretty bad, but, uh, let me hop into the reviews. The first one I'll be reviewing is 420 massacre. Uh, the filmmaker sent this over and, uh, I had heard some things Well, I heard the title float around and I was like, okay, here we go. It's a modern slasher. Uh, you know, those can go both ways it can be pretty bad or, or decent. Uh, it's really hard to make a really good modern slasher movie nowadays. I think, um, But uh, here we go. Um, This one, uh, obviously the title, you know, it's got some weed window. It's basically about a a group of uh, female campers, hikers, friends, whatever. They want to go out and camp at this area. But uh, there is this uh, growing uh, um, area out there, illegally growing marijuana, uh, some people out there. And they'll protect it at all costs. The setup there is actually pretty cool. So you uh, got a little bit of different setup here. The ranger warns him. It's played by like an actor who pops up in a bunch of things. He may look familiar to you. He's in lots and lots of movies. Been acting for years. He basically warns him of the setup in the very beginning. A couple of potheads get killed trying to steal marijuana. Uh, and, uh, the, uh, practical effects look pretty solid. There's some gut spills here and there. Uh, the highlight of this movie is definitely the interactions between the characters. All the, all the leads in here, they actually take the time to, uh, make them real characters. Even the, uh, burnout girl, she's hilarious, and she has her moments of use, and she's not just completely useless, or, uh, she's actually funny, and probably one of the most likable characters in the movie. Uh, there's a couple lesbian relationships going on here, love stories. One that is, uh, kind of, a Embraced and one that is kind of denied—that adds like a element of drama in here. um The one thing is, there's not really any nudity, and for a slasher movie, you kind of expect it to be honest. And there was a lot of times for it, but uh, this movie is definitely more of a character uh, uh, drama than a slasher movie at times uh, when the kills start to happen towards the end of the movie, there is some CGI added in. The CGI does not look good. It it, it doesn't feel needed. It's like that kind where there's some blood, practical blood, and then there'll be a CGI spray. And it's like, that wasn't even needed, to be honest. There is a twist in it. Uh, you kind of see it coming. Uh, it's not super obvious, but it's a little obvious. Uh, the, the killer in here, I think he has a nice design. He's like in a ghillie suit, a ghillie suit. I think they call it where he's all, you know, dressed down in camo and stuff. And, He's pretty intimidating, pretty scary. Uh, All the characters, at least most of them, try to fight back. They're not completely useless idiots. They don't really annoy you to that extent where they're like, oh, they're super idiots. One person does something particularly dumb that's a little annoying. But uh, overall, it it makes it just a little past average. It's a little better than average. The CGI isn't great. The practical effects are okay when they're there. Uh, The acting's solid. For the most part, there's not really any weak acting points in the movie. The setup is nice, and the uh, the characters are actually well thought out, and uh, uh, the actresses bring them to life uh, there's some features on here as well interviews with the uh, ca- uh the cast uh, which i enjoy they talk about their experience on the movie I interview with the old actor who has been in a slew of stuff and he's really candid talks about uh people he liked and didn't like uh, basically who do you say was a dick david carradine on the set of kung fu which is pretty funny but uh yeah, those are interesting things here and there. And there's a commentary, of course, as well. These guys, uh, you know, they seem all right. They seem like they're pretty cool. They know how to make a movie, I guess. And... uh uh, they definitely stretched their budget They picked a really nice lo- uh, location Which uh, really helped with it um, I think it's worth checking out Especially if you like slasher movies Or you like you want to see a movie with some powerful uh, female lead characters I think that may interest you It is 420 Massacre uh, Not nearly as silly as the title would suggest
1: Damn you really do smoke a lot of weed You know that? Oh, keep in mind I don't normally blaze up this much It just so happens to be a holiday A holiday?
0: I'm pretty sure
1: she's talking about 420 So where's that put us now? That's a good question. you gotta be fucking kidding me. (laughs) What the hell was
2: that? Help me!
1: Help me! Help me! He was hunting us. And we were the prey. And it got dug. It got dug. And now it's coming for me. It's coming for me! Why would someone want to kill a cool guy like you?
2: The weed.
1: Did he just say the weed? (gasps) Whoa. Balls! Take it, take it, no, take it, no. please!
2: <laughs> You're
1: all next! Oh, <coughs> oh, oh shit! God. Damn Good shit. Whoa. <laughs> There's a bunch of other jacked up shit that's happened on 420, which is why it is our collective duty to blaze up on this day. What in God's name are you talking about? <laughs>
2: Come on, me he's going to kill us
0: too we don't get the fuck out of here right
2: now! No!
0: Hey guys, here for a review of The Siege, aka Self-Defense. This is a pretty hard to find movie. I heard about it on the Pierce Cinema Podcast. I also heard about it on a list, like right before that, uh, right when the Death Wish remake came out, they are like, 10 vigilante movies, way better than Death Wish remake. And they had a bunch on there, including Walking the Edge, which I ordered, uh, this, and uh, Enemy Territory I think was on there too, so it had a lot of uh, movies that I wanted to see. And I had heard about all of them except uh, the Walking the Edge, this, and uh, I had heard Enemy Territory. So, yeah, uh, The Siege. It's a can exploitation movie. It's Canadian exploitation. And uh, it's basically about a, a group of thugs that trap a bunch of people in a, an apartment complex during a police strike. Uh, it opens up hilarious. Like, it opens up like a post apocalyptic movie, but then proceeds to play out not like a post apocalyptic movie at all. Like, they added that in last minute. They're like. This is in the near future. In an urban city. Halifax, Canada. No, they don't say that. They're like, "Uh, uh, uh, urban (coughs) city. The police are on strike. And then they're like, we're in Halifax, Canada. I was like, why would you say that if you're just going to tell us what city (laughs) you're in anyways? It ruins the purpose of people putting themselves anywhere. But. Uh, the opening of this movie is very intense. These uh, thugs mm-hmm. come into a, a gay club and uh, they start picking on people. Things get out of hand and they end up having to execute everybody in the gay club. One guy escapes into an apartment. The people in the apartment decide to protect him, a la straw dogs, kind of. And the bad guys try to get in any uh, way necessary, any means necessary. Uh, this is definitely a precursor to the Green Room, which, believe it or not, I'm not a huge fan of. I think it's a good movie. It's just it's overrated completely, and it's like a late night movie you'd see on HBO. That's solid. That somehow Managed to be on everyone's best of movie list. Like it's the greatest movie ever made. I'm like, it's a solid HBO late night movie. <laughs> 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 That's what it felt like to me. But uh, yeah, we have a group of five guys, a uh, six including the leader that trap these people in. And the people are kind of bizarre. There's a couple blind guys. One played by Keith Knight, who pops up in class in 1984, My Bloody Valentine of unknown origin. And uh, basically, it turns into a violent Home Alone movie. I watched the Laserdisc script, so I expected the quality to be decent. It is a dark movie, and the Laserdisc is dark as hell, too. I couldn't really make out half the movie, to be honest, which hurts it. I shouldn't say it's a dark movie, and it doesn't look great. I'd say, like, once they start
1: going into the apartment complex, like, everybody cuts the lights, so the second half of the movie is in total darkness, so you're just seeing, like... On on the print we watch, just like the white outlines of the yep. edges of their faces and nothing else, and people are dying. You're like, well, that
0: piece of white dropped down over there. I was like, was so... that which guy was that who just bit it? Which one died? Right. It's, it's very mean spirited. It's violent, but there's a couple moments of goofy. It's kind of goofy at the same time. Um, And the twist at the ending, is like, that's not really a twist, because you said something earlier about it, and unless I wasn't paying attention, I I guess maybe people forget that that was in there, and then they're like, oh, duh. I'd rather have the twist be eliminated and something had to happen to that character instead. Um, The... Uh, when you were watching it, you were like, this is almost like an anarchist versus a bunch of anarchists because one of the guys is like big anti-cop and he like is uh, essentially MacGyver. He builds all these weird things. He builds like a a homemade grenade launcher that has like a dirty bomb in it with all this nasty like nails and stuff in it. Mm -hmm. And, uh, there's a lot of that going on. I think it's pretty cool, a solid movie, but I don't think it's great. I think that a lot of people would have a fondness for it because you know, it's, it's impossible to find. It's really hard to find. Like, if there's a laser disc of it, I think it would be a little bit more known. Um, I think it's worth checking out if you can find it. Uh, I think that Keith Knight was wasted just a little bit. I would like to see him more. And uh, I think that he would have been better fitted as one of the bad guys, to be honest. Uh, we saw what he could do in 84, and he was great. Uh, the bad guys are real ruthless. I hate them. One has a really cheesy laugh that. These are kind of the kind of bad guys that deserve to die. Even if you're the least of the bad, uh, you deserve to die by guilty by association. Um, the acting's solid, I guess, but it's really hard to tell what goes on, and uh, it's very repetitive. It, it it goes on for way too long, and nothing changes. It's just the same thing. The movie should have ended 10 minutes earlier than it actually is. There's like 10 minutes of stuff still going on after the main re- uh, main movie is like resolved. Mm-hmm. Do you agree?
1: Yeah, it's... um. I mean, it's not bad. It's not my thing. If you're into that siege stuff, I mean, then yeah, you'd probably like it. But I've seen it done better and
0: more exciting, I guess. I mean, <coughs> you right. I prefer sieges to be supernatural. Sometimes, like we're trapped in from Dust till dawn, is so fun. Night of the Living Dead. It's just much more scary mm-hmm. when it's uh, or even like real Bravo. They're trapped in the town. Uh, yeah, it's it's solid and uh, it, it's definitely worth watching if you're into these types of movies the bad guys are despicable mm-hmm. uh it's mean spirited it's a dark dark movie in tone and and uh, visually it's dark mm-hmm. uh you know i'd like to see a better print of it you know it's hard to give a review of a movie when it looks so dark in the first place and uh you can't really see like half the things that are going on you you lose interest at times because you're like who just died there like i just watched uh, like an hour part of a movie and like it's really hard to grasp what the hell just happened right there. But uh, I, I would... <coughs> I got a cold. <laughs> I just had one last week. Mm-hmm. I would uh recommend checking it out. Uh, I like it. I don't think you like it very much. It's okay. It's contrived, I think. Um... I wouldn't say contrived. I would just say repetitive.
1: Well, like, the way that, like, they navigate the apartment building, like, all the secret exits they have. I mean, there's really only two, but it's like... um. It's like it's like a like a nightmare. Like somebody had a nightmare that they were like going in like a loop in between these two apartment rooms, and then they made a movie around it. Because that's
0: kind of how it works. Like let's crawl through this mirror and it's super convenient. I wouldn't say it's contrived. Yeah. Like everything's set up for convenience in this. It's like well, hey, we have a two-way mirror, and hey, we have access to the roof, which we normally wouldn't have. All these like things that are convenient play into how they fight the bad guys. It is definitely very convenient. And for such a serious dark movie, it can be kind of like, okay. And also, the bad guys are morons. Except the main bad guy, he is very intelligent. Mm -hmm. But the rest of them are all idiots. And he has access to these, like, silencer machine gun type guns. And in Canada, you're just like, eh? And uh, also, I mean, like, you know, like you're going to give these goofballs? These guys can barely tie their shoes. I'm surprised they can use these guns. And at first, they're so unsure of what they've done. And then right when they get the guns, they're like, okay, let's just kill a bunch more people. Who cares? And the opening is really dark and really sets the tone, but the movie doesn't never can hold a candle to the opening of the movie. It, and that's a problem. You know, when the opening's so good, the rest of the movie you should follow suit. It's hard, and it doesn't. It's it's good. It's, it's not <coughs> great.
2: The police are on strike. The streets are deserted. Armed gangs rule the city.
1: That's the building over there.
2: They want to get into your house. Should I answer the door? They're asking me? I see a target. How I want to report it! You can't call for help. You're trapped inside. Mm. What do you do now? Self-defense. What do we got to defend ourselves with? We've got the 303, but just two bullets, hollow point. It's you Great. against them.
1: Anybody who touches the doorknob downstairs is gonna die. This is crazy. When
2: the moment comes, just make sure you're ready. Now. Now. When you're outnumbered. Outgunned and out of time. Your last defense is self-defense. I'm afraid I'm going to have to ask you to leave. Self-defense.
0: Okay, the next one is uh, Cockfighter, made 1974. This is a Japanese uh, Blu-ray. I had not seen the American release. That's the only one I have. Uh, there's two uh, ways to watch it: widescreen or full screen. I don't know what this movie was originally shot in. The prints do look a little bit different. <coughs> If I'm not mistaken, um, Warn stars in this movie. War Notes popped up in a couple of Monty Hellman movies. This is directed by Monty Hellman. Uh, Monty Hellman did Tulane Blacktop, uh, The Shooting, uh, Silent Night, Deadly Night 3, um, and Cockfighter. Yeah, um, this one is actually fairly interesting. It has a nice cast. It's based off a book. Uh, back in the day when movies could be based off books and no one complained or no one even knew about it. It has uh, Harry Dean Stanton in it. Uh, has uh, Ed Begley Jr., Millie Perkins, and a bunch of other familiar faces. Warren Oates has a very unique role in this that it's pretty much silent. He narrates mm-hmm. in it, but for the most part it's silent. This is a look into the uh, world of cockfighting and the trailer will tell you it's banned in 47 states. Mm-hmm. I don't know anything about cockfighting. I didn't know anything about cockfighting before this movie. I didn't know when cockfighting got banned. I didn't even know that it was still allowed to be happening in the 70s. So it's a very interesting movie and the way that uh, cockfighting is in this, it's a big thing in certain states. Like the senator comes out and he awards people prizes for the best uh, cockfighter of the year who raises all these chickens and has them fight. So it's a very interesting movie. If you're scared of animal cruelty in films, which I don't blame you, don't watch this. There's real cockfighting. There's chickens being, heads being chopped off and stuff. Even one by Warno's, a couple of them. So, you know, this is going to bother a lot of people right off the get go. (coughs) This is definitely not something that would ever be made or could be made today. But uh, it's an interesting movie. If you're into gambling, if you're into uh, looking at a part of Americana that doesn't really exist anymore, I, I like that. This is the type of movie that I really like because they're going from different settings and places, and you meet a lot of different characters and whatnot. Uh, what would you actually think about it?
1: Um, it's pretty good. It's shot beautifully.
0: I, I like the locations.
1: They're... I, like, I couldn't tell exactly where it was from. I thought, For some reason, I thought it was in a more northern state. Just like for like the pine trees and things.
0: For some reason, I wanted to guess like Kentucky or stuff like that, but I wasn't a hundred percent sure on it. Right. Oh, it was in a no. That was that was that no, yeah John that, Wayne movie. I probably should have done some research <laughs> on it to like look into like where cockfighting was, but it, it was so strange to watch all these like kind of like character actors and stuff like betting on the cockfighting, and it was just like so interesting to see that as well. And and some of Warren Oates' ways, he would like 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 take a joke, he'd slap on his knee. And there's a character in the movie that he first befriends that they become partners. And at first I really didn't like the guy, but by the end of the movie he was like the comic relief in it, the Polish guy. And he actually became one of the stronger characters in the movie. I, I really enjoyed him. And uh, I enjoyed him and Warren Oates' relationship. And there's of course a love story in here too, which is strange to see Warren Oates as like a, a love symbol in a movie. Because he, he's got to be a little older than the women he's supposedly in like in a relationship with here. Mm-hmm. But uh, it's nice to see Warren Oates in the starring role. He's not necessarily a good guy. Uh, the movie has some good humor in it at points. Uh, one person that Warren Oates did wrong, a woman, at, at the end of one of the fights, she runs out and starts beating up. <laughs> now I'm coughing. Warren Oates. And uh, one of the guys says, uh, What were the odds on her yeah. uh, in the fight? And that's just a great scene. Um, the end. It uh, builds. It's it plays like a sports movie, like a drama sports movie, but with cockfighting. The slow motion cockfighting shot really well. It's really graphic though, and uh, you know it's bloody. There's chickens being killed, so this is not something that people would want to typically be interested in watching. To be honest,
1: right? Yeah, they attach those little spurs yeah, to their yeah, ankles, yeah. and they actually just have two chickens go at go at it. And uh, mm-hmm. there's
0: it's so strange to see all these different rules in it as well uh i like like the locations are great and it's one of these movies where you meet all these different interesting characters and it's a lot like hard times where you go up and have pick me fights like oh we'll we'll go here and have fights and uh in different places at different people and the betting odds it's 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 like the cockfighting version of hard times if, if you be honest but uh it's an interesting movie i think it's worth checking out especially if you can get past that kind of stuff you should enjoy it it's it's a it's kind of a classic film and I'm I'm really glad I seen it and, and it's one of these movies that's going to disappear for because of its subject matter for mm-hmm. sure.
1: Yeah, it's um you know I don't see Warren Oates as a star in a lot
0: of movies. There's Bring Me the Head and maybe a handful of others I've seen. Bring Me the Head of Alfredo Garcia and I can't think of I uh, maybe The Hired Hand, but he's a uh, it's a he's like dual supporting. You, yeah, he's
1: he's more supporting. Um so it's cool seeing him like be the leading man in this, but at the same time, he's rarely speaking, and it's mostly pantomiming from him because he has like a vowel. Silence. Yeah, 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 yeah.
0: So, because he lost a big game and he bet mm-hmm. that he opened his mouth too much. So, well it's kind of like when they take Vincent Price's voice away in Fives, like you're like, Vincent Price is so known for his voice, and Warren Oates is so known for his voices as well, you know, and I think he is. His voice is very memorable, but uh, I would really recommend checking Cockfighter, I think it's pretty good.
2: What you are about to see is illegal in 47 states. Black chicken. I'll take 25 to 30. I'll take it. You're all. I'll lay 25 to 30. 25, to 30 on the red. I'll lay 30 to 20. 25, to 30 there. Anybody got it? All right, you got it. Fifty to 30. on the black. I got the black first. You want to know something, boy? I am the finest trainer and conditioner in the whole world. All right, let's go. Cockfighting, the dirtiest sport in the world. Get ready. And Now watched your face. No pity, no love, nothing. Oh, wow, uh, hey, listen, Mr. Mansfield, I'm sorry. You know, I, I didn't bring no cash with me. I was so sure I was going to win and everything, but listen, I got some money at home. I got a lot of it. I'm going to bring it back as soon as I get home. <laughs> professional, with a passion for violence.
1: I want to get married and have children.
2: The drive, the drive in it is to be the best. I like to call it sharpness. Not since the Hustler has the violent underbelly of the gambling world been so nakedly exposed. What kind of a man who risks everything in America's most controversial blood The kind who will do anything to win. It's the uh, desire to win.
1: I'm not going to wait for you forever.
2: Winning is the name of the game. This is a sticker. Hands over your heads. Anybody who moves gets a head
1: blasted up.
2: Blam! And he knocks off the young rooster. And he says, damn it. That's the third faggot
1: rooster I had this week. <laughs> I got the finest five-pound chicken alive, Jack. Right
2: here in my hands the very fast.
1: I think that bird has more of a heart than you ever will have.
2: Anything that can fight to the death and not utter a sound. Well, winning is the name of the game. Waron Oaks. Cockfuck.
0: The next one here is Twilight People by VCI. This is what, made in seventy one, seventy two. This is by Eddie Romero, who is a really prolific guy, made tons of movies in the Philippines. Yeah, I, I don't know if I've ever seen Eddie Romero's movies, but he did like the Blood movies and whatever, and the guy who stars in this, John Ashley, was like a producer on a bunch of them. Uh, Twilight People is uh, basically a um, uh, Island of Dr. Moreau story. Uh, if you guys have ever seen that one, from uh, there's there's like three versions. Uh, I never saw the 30s one, but I saw the 77 and then the 90s one, which is awful. But yeah, this one has Pam Greer in it. You want to move on to the next movie? Yeah, sure. I'm just kidding. Uh, yeah, this is so cheesy, so hokey. Uh, it's a mad scientist movie. It's very boring until the very ending. And the last act here is uh, It's really fun. Uh, the last act... It has these five, six creature man mammals. The special effects are terrible. Pam Grier's a panther woman. There's a Batman, and then the rest of them: antelope man, uh, wolf girl. You can barely tell what they are, to be honest. If they didn't tell you what they were on the back credits, you'd be like, "I know that guy's a bat because he's flying," but that's about as far as it goes. The um, special effects are cheesy, but they work. Um, the problem with the movie is the acting's not very strong. The characters aren't very strong. Nothing happens until the very end of the movie. It's cheesy, it's hokey, and you definitely need to see it with a group to appreciate it. Watching it just at your home alone, you're just going to be like, "This is torturous." Mm-hmm. Um, the main bad guy in it, the not the doctor, but the Nazi character, he has zero screen presence. He would be an interesting character if he was like you know portrayed by somebody with more screen presence, like uh, John Striner or somebody like that. I think. Would you agree? What did you think of this one?
1: Um. I kind of hated it.
0: The, the The special effects were
1: done with applesauce, and the like. Third act of the movie was the most infuriating, frustrating thing on the planet to me. It imagine leading, uh, never mind. You say it. Say it. imagine like, like, leading a bunch of freaking retard's on an island adventure. Mentally, cha- imagine leading a bunch of mentally challenged individuals on an island adventure. Where you have to escape for your life but they're just too inept to listen or even
0: know what's really going on, and you kind of don't know the way, and so... You see, the main character kind of (coughs) befriends the daughter of the mad scientist, Mm -hmm. and with that, what happens is he has to, uh, she wants to escape, and he's like, let's get out of here. And she's like, no, we have to save the um, manimals. I'll call them (laughs) manimals. And uh, they're completely ridiculous. They can barely function on any sort of level. Uh, (laughs) It's like kindergarten school children. Yeah, it's like uh, taking a bunch of kids on a field trip that won't (laughs) listen. Like, the bat guy's immediately in a tree just (laughs) screaming, and you're just like, what is going on? And it's just the ape guy tries to molest her. The ever, two keep fighting. It's... it's ridiculous. And this is before Pam Gur made it big, or I don't think she would have done this. Pam Gur is so much better than the source material. And uh, she does the best job she can. Uh, the doctor's okay. Uh, and, and they point out in the commentary by David Duvall and David Dakota, uh, which is the best part of the features. Uh, there's a a commentary, which I love. They do a lot of commentaries on these cheesy movies and they, they talk about the movie. They know it's not great. Uh, they have appreciation for it. Seeing it with a crowd is what they say. And they talk about a lot of stuff about the movie. And they say the guy, the bad scientist who I didn't realize who he was, he was the guy who actually named Blackula. Oh, Who's okay. like, I shall call you Blackula. If you ever seen Blackula, in the very beginning, he turns uh, Marshall, William Marshall or Marshall, what's the guy's name? I can't think of his name. The guy who plays Blackula. And he named him Blackula. I remember watching that for the first time thinking, that is so stupid. But I, I couldn't stop laughing. I was like... Mm-hmm. Really? But, uh, yeah, he's in this. He plays a mad scientist. He's okay. Uh, John Ashley, you could tell, produce the movie, or otherwise he probably wouldn't be starring in these. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But who else would star in it? I mean, I don't know. It's super corny, super cheesy. Uh, Is it better than the 90s, Dr. Moreau? Maybe. I don't know. The effects aren't. Uh, I'd probably watch the 90s one again. But it's cheesy and corny. Uh, I think people will get an appreciation of it if you like the Philippines movies. As for the print is concerned, it looks all right, I guess, but there's a lot of damage that looks like it came to it from temperature, like uh, humidity and moisture damage. Like it'll go yellow, green, and then the print color changes a lot. And Mm -hmm. I imagine this movie is stored in the Philippines and it wasn't taken care of very well. Uh, the colors change dramatically a lot, but that doesn't really bother me. Watching a movie like this, I'm like, I don't really care. As long as it looks crisp, I don't really care about the colors changing. It's not like you're watching Apocalypse Now, which is funny I say that because the director of this movie actually worked on Apocalypse Now and hundreds of other independent movies along with uh, tons and tons of stuff, the Philippines movies, but uh, there's an hour interview with him on there. That's great, and the commentary is great. The movie, not so great. Is this
1: um before or after, like coffee? I think it's before. It's before. At least coffee. it was shot before. Coffee's
0: yeah. before, Foxy Brown. I think Foxy Brown's. Oh. Out. I think Foxy Brown seventy four. Coffee seventy three. This is seventy two or, oh, okay. or seventy one. It's around the same time though. It's all around there before Pam Gere blew up. But uh, yeah, uh, she did a bunch of movies in the Philippines. She did more movies with Eddie Romero, Black Mama, White Mama, and of course Sid Hag was in a bunch of those Philippines mm-hmm. movies as well. But uh, yeah. It gets action-packed at the end, but by then, you just want it to be over. Yeah. And uh, the Batman is hilarious. There's a boar guy, but he's not in it very long. I wish he was in it more. And the plant lady? Is plant lady? Or uh, something? Oh, oh, the people that live in the forest are like the first experiments that are like yeah. messed up. I don't know what they are. Just moss people. I don't know. It, it's a weird movie. That's all I got to say on Twilight People. Half-man,
2: half-beast, all-monster, the twilight people. Matt Farrell, soldier of fortune, plucked from the depths of the sea, plunged into a nightmare of supernatural science. You are to participate in the single most important scientific event in the history of life on this planet. We can do it here. And I don't even get a formal invitation. Would you mind lying down, please? From the cave of cruelty they came. Test tube terrors evolved from evil. From the fortress of fear they fled. A herd of howling horrors thundering through the jungle. A savage stampede hell-bent on blood. Human desire. Animal lust. <laughs> Phenomenal demons screeching through the skies ah! Starring John Ashley, Pat Waddell and a cast of creatures out of the shadows onto your throne The twilight people rated pg parental guidance suggested
0: the next one is my friend dalmer this just came out on blu-ray it's been on vod for some uh, for a while i had my eyes on this one i, I wanted to check it out uh this follows a, a small chunk of uh, infamous serial killer Jeffrey Dahmer's life. Uh, it was based off a graphic novel, like a short a story by the uh, one of his friends. That's why it's called My Friend Dahmer, and he plays a major character in the movie. So we get a kind of a perspective from his view, but it's mostly about Jeffrey Dahmer from uh, ages, probably early high school to like a, just I don't even it might only be a year to it's the end of high school,
1: junior to senior year, and pretty much. And a junior year, beginning of senior year,
0: and throughout senior year. So basically, uh, Jeffrey Dahlmer in here, it's a great performance. His parents are played by the guy from Mayhem, yeah. uh, the the HR guy, his dad, and he's great, and Anne Heche from the Psycho remake. But uh, yeah, both the parents' performances are top-notch, uh, and this is kind of a very, very strange. Like... Um, you want it to continue after it's over because there's no murders in the movie. This is just a small little chunk of his life where you get to see some of his psychology. And if you know anything about Dahmer, a lot of those, uh, beats are hit like the joggers in here. Although I don't think the jogger is very accurately portrayed Mm -hmm. and they also make him a doctor, which wasn't the case. I don't think, I think the jogger was just a guy, but they do a lot of things. Like they do the seizures that Dahmer used to do, which plays a major part in this. And they show his beginning of his alcoholism and stuff like that. Uh, And uh, really, it's just like a coming of age slice of life movie. And if it wasn't Jeff Dahmer, it wouldn't be nearly as disturbing. But you got to think about this: we have this coming of age movie about Jeffrey Dahmer that takes him and makes him somewhat sympathetic. But this is like one of the most infamous serial killers in American history. (coughs) Jeremy's input right there—a cough. Mm -hmm. Uh, What? (coughs) There we go. What did you think about it?
1: Oh, it's a beautiful movie. Um well paced i saw like a lot of myself in Dahmer. not 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 in like like oh i might be a serial killer but just the way that like fr- like, like friends
0: exploit friends i think yeah, we, yeah. we talked about they, that they um, do get into that and that that is very accurate because at one point in your life, you have maybe been, everybody I think has been that friend that's been exploited by other friends for jokes. And I think that you've exploited other people for jokes at times, you know, like the way it was done. And some of the friends say, Are we really Jeff's friend? Or are we just like laughing at him? And like, I, I felt that way at times. And I felt that mm-hmm. sometimes in certain groups, people were laughing at me and vice versa. It- it's-, it- it's very unique and strange that they would even make a movie that captures those feelings in a film. And I don't think they've ever really been captured that well mm-hmm. in a coming of age movie until this one.
1: Yeah, it felt it felt pretty
0: accurate. It yeah. it made me think back to like when I was about that age, which I don't do very often. So, good and, job. And also, they do, um, they they portray his parents like a lot of the things they say. Well, Domer had normal parents. I mean, they were normal, I guess, to a certain extent. But there was fighting going on. There was turmoil, and they weren't watching him as close as they could. And uh some of the scenes in the movie are uh, are great like when he goes to the physical and gets the checkup and they don't really say it out loud but you know what happens when uh he goes down and it's just so so awkward. There's so many awkward things in the movie. And uh at the end although you know the story so you know what's going to happen if you don't I wouldn't look into it. There's some tense moments that uh you know what's going to happen if you know the story kind of like the Titanic. Like I doubt anybody's ever went to the Titanic knowing it's not going to sink. But you know what I'm saying is <laughs> that there's some tense stuff in here that's kind of hurt because you know the outcome, anyways. But uh, it's well made. There's not enough features on here. I believe there's only like what uh, interview with the lead actor and that's it. And it's it's short. Mm-hmm. And uh, he talks about stuff like that. It talks about the performance, but that's about it. <coughs> it's interesting that they're going to do a movie about Bundy too, and Zac Efron's going to play Bundy. Okay. I, I mean that's strange to me, but I think also it could be interesting. And there's just there's a lot of uh, interesting stuff about serial killers lately coming out. I confuse Zac Efron with uh what's whatever Zach guy. I have no idea. Galafikakis. Galganakis. Yeah, yeah, yeah whatever like, his last name. Okay, <laughs> that would be the worst casting of Ted Bundy <laughs> right? of all time. But uh, yeah, it, it's an interesting movie. It's well made. It's a coming of age story about a serial killer, but it does like kind of uh, I think it might bother some people, you know, thinking that this character is being humanized. Although <laughs> I'm not one that thinks that all serial killers are not humans, but I think that they've crossed that line where they should. No longer be treated as such, if that makes any sense. Um, <coughs> it's an interesting movie for sure,
1: right? And, and given the source material, it's from a comic book that was drawn by his friend. It it is kind of autobiographical. Granted, yeah. his friend, it's his friend it, that's writing about Dahmer, but it it's it goes into his friend's perspective to some extent. You know, like it's his remembering of events and trying to possibly to make sense out of it
0: and and there's dark humor in here as well there's like a homosexual character like a young kid that likes Dalmer and Dalmer was you know obviously homosexual and like he's like I got you want to go to a concert with me and like mm-hmm. Dahmer doesn't want to like be best friends with him because that kid's always picked on and he doesn't want to point notice to himself and there's that situation too in high school where somebody wants to be your friend and you wouldn't mind being their friends maybe to a certain extent but you could tell that they're just gonna bring you a lot of bad attention so you know being insecure and stuff like that and being a coward like a lot of people are when they're young they just kind of like no i'm not gonna be that kid's friend because mm-hmm. everybody will pick on me if i'm friends with him and there's that kind of a uh, you know thing about his sexuality where he didn't want to necessarily embrace his homosexuality and being with that character would kind of point that out to a certain extent they have the shed in here with uh, the the mm-hmm. bodies be- the the animal carcasses being um you know melted and whatnot uh and, and there's just a lot of stuff in there, like a lot of beats that happen in Dahmer's life, like the alcoholism, the thing where they meet the vice president at the time. You mentioned so, the pig? The pig, yeah. The pig where he um, uh, somehow corresponded, you know, sexual nature with the uh, autopsy of the pig and whatnot, and that, that kind of screwed him up for life. Like, once you mix that violence with your sex, then it's just kind of over at that point they say a lot of people will say like psychologists or whatever once that's mixed sex and violence in your psychology there's sometimes with like these psychopaths or these certain brain types or whatever they are i don't know i don't look like a serial killer expert or anything but uh you know there can be a lot of problems and i, I think it's a, a lot of great performances by the parents and when they're fighting it's actually like really cringeworthy but comical at the same time and uh, i think they paint uh portrayals of realistic characters good bad and different you know
1: I now present to you Jeff. Jeffrey. For this time Jeffrey. Okay. Then I present to you Jeffrey Dahmer in his command performance.
2: (laughs) Wait, Dahmer? You dumbass.
1: I wish I had a best friend. Jeff's a little off, you know. I think he's kind of hilarious. Hey, Jeff, do you want to come sit at our table? I think we should form a fan club. With you as our fearless leader, we can really disrupt this school.
0: Everybody ready?
2: It has been difficult with your mother, so I moved into a motel.
0: Take a deep breath. Are you okay?
1: Hey, Dahmer, what's in the bag?
2: You seem healthy to me.
1: What about what's on a patient's mind?
2: I need to talk
0: about Jeff. What is this? You wouldn't uh, know about the kids mean... because you're not at home anymore. You want to talk to somebody about
2: I see things in you that I don't like about myself. I want you to have friends in ways that I never could.
0: I thought you stopped.
1: Darn always told me what to do, just like you. Just like you.
0: I like bones. It interests interesting. What's inside?
1: God, Dahmer, you are such a freak. He's not a sideshow attraction. We're just having fun,
0: you know? Get out of your shell. You need to be more normal.
2: I'm just like anybody else.
0: Okay, guys, this next one I actually didn't have a copy of. I have a VHS of it, but I didn't watch the VHS because I imagine the quality's awful. Uh it's kind of hard to find a lot of people said they watched it on YouTube. I watched a uh, rip from TV. It is Enemy Territory. i had heard about this from a couple places. They recently just did a really great uh uh John Carpenter episode on Pure Cinema podcast and uh they did uh they talked about it on Screamcast. So it's been it's been around, but Enemy Territory, this is uh, definitely like a siege movie. Um yeah. This is a weird one. We uh basically have it's kind of like the urban kind of like uh survival movies, uh Night of the Living Dead trapped in a place, building. We have this insurance salesman who's down on his luck. He ends up going to this uh, really bad uh, apartment building, and after night, these uh, these gangs rule the city. Uh, you know, similar to the Warriors, I guess they own their certain territories. And this gang is called the Vampires, led by Tony Todd. Really aggressive, really crazy, and a lot of uh, obvious, you know, ties into uh, vampire mythology. <laughs> Uh, he gets trapped in here when he uh, makes a mistake of touching somebody from the gang to ask for directions and uh, he's trapped in the C apartment uh, complex and they're all trying to kill him the only one that's there to help him is Ray Parker Jr. who is a uh, phone operator who fixes phones. Uh, Ray Parker Jr. in this movie surprisingly solid actor. The lead in here, the guy who's a place insurance salesman is a realistic character. He's not particularly that likable. You don't really like him um, but uh, this is a strange movie. It has these weird comedy elements in here. He uh, gets a commission he has the commission of six thousand dollars or so from the um uh from the insurance sale on here and uh, throughout the movie he has to keep giving it away to you know kind of save their lives he ends up having to pair up with of course Ray Parker Jr the insurance salesman and uh, this other lady from the, the tenant from the place when the gang becomes after them for helping helping them uh, the gang is vicious they're ruthless they're monsters they're really unlikable but they have a bond among each other this feels like it falls out of a Death Wish movie uh, you know it definitely comes from that same world of like Hobo with a Shock or her Death Wish 3 where it's like right when you go into like a bad part of town everything's chaos Nobody cares. The cops won't go there. No, you know, is that kind of way that uh, the cops don't care? And it even shows that in here that you're like, come on, guys, that's ridiculous. Uh, it's actually produced by Charles Band, which kind of blows my mind, and which is probably why it has these weird elements of comedy in the movie as well. Uh, and there's a, even a, a point where one of the bad guys in the movie like refuses to die. Psycho. So many things happen to this guy that you're like, this is turning into a slasher movie right now. Uh, the relationships between the insurance agent and uh, Ray Parker Jr. are pretty fun, pretty great. Jan Michael Vinson is in here as well, and he plays a crazy Vietnam vet who uh, is just completely insane. And uh, of course, you guessed, I think he has some alcohol problems, which you know. Or at least he's acting like he does. And, you know, that's probably, you know, art imitating real life. Uh, So we have that going there. But uh, there's some decent action in here. Tony Todd's intense and kind of scary. The ending's fairly memorable. Uh, I think that this movie, if it had more recognition, could be a cult item, and if it, it could fit into something, you know, like a '80s popular action movie, I think that it could have been there if people would have actually seen it. Um, I I think it's pretty cool. I think it's solid. I don't think it's perfect. But uh, I almost so many racist characters in the movie. Like the whole vampires gang completely racist. They call the white guy ghost, uh, and you know, a Jan Michael Vincent. Since racist and 90% of the people in this movie are racist besides the little old lady and uh, Ray Parker Jr. to be honest uh they're probably the only non-racist people in the movie the cops are terrible of course uh but uh all in all it has some good moments in here it it would be one that you would catch on HBO and you would be uh you know uh, vastly entertained I think it's an MGM um So, uh, it'd be nice if maybe Kino or like, uh, scream or shout would release this one. Uh, you know, it could happen, you know. I mean, it's interesting to see. It has, a, like I said, Tony Todd and Ray Parker Jr. And uh, the insurance agent looks familiar, but uh, I can't pinpoint him. So it's got a nice little cast in here. It's got a fairly decent amount of action. It's never really boring. I, I like these kind of movies, these survival movies, these siege movies. In uh, Pierce Cinema Podcast, they paired it up with um, <laughs> Assault on Precinct 13, which I haven't seen in years. but it's And I remember kind of liking that one. I, I remember it not being my one of my favorite Carpenter movies, but it it's probably time for, due for a revisit on that. Um, it's been so long since I've seen it. But, uh, yeah, and uh, they also paired up one of the other movies I reviewed in here called The Siege. Or, um, what is it, uh, what's the other? Uh, um, I can't remember the alternate title on your self-defense. But, uh, yeah, they're both interesting titles, and I'm glad I checked them out. I uh, love the Peer Cinema Podcast. I'm a, um, I donate to their uh, Patreon. So, uh, if you guys like this show, they're way better at what they do than me. So, check them out as well. But, uh, Enemy Territory, check out the trailer. Take a desperate man You wanna put me in jail?
1: You wanna put me in jail? Go right ahead, because I could use a break.
2: Give him the chance of a lifetime All you have to do to collect a big fat commission is go over there, get a signature, and collect the premium. (laughs) In the most dangerous place in town
1: I'm gonna tell you something, sonny. I've had a very long day, and I have neither the time nor the patience for any more of you kids playing Scarface with me. Hey, man. We got us the wars over here.
2: Vampires. What do you see? Move! Show me your face. This is their territory. Did the vampires do this? And here, no one gets out alive. It is floor, room by room, closet by closet. Anybody won't let you in. So the door.
0: hop into the weekly Western let's go
2: why not fill your hand you son of a bitch say when
0: is the shootest. Uh, I believe this had to be John Wayne, one of his last movies. And I think it's the only time John Wayne and Don Siegel made a movie together. If you guys don't know Don Siegel, Don Siegel, uh, pretty much got, uh, Clint Eastwood and, uh, you know, Sam Peckinpah's careers off the, uh, off, 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 off to going. He was like, um, I guess, uh, Sam Peckinpah's, like, protege or, um, not protege. He's a he's a teacher and whatnot. He and uh, Don Siegel directed a bunch of uh, memorable movies, including Dirty Harry, um, Charlie, Varick, Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Don Siegel had a lot of great movies. He was a very prolific director and probably one that people don't talk about enough for what he did. Um, it's funny. Peck and Paul actually appears in the original Invasion of the Body Snatchers. So it's it's crazy to think that he helped Peck and Paul and Clint Eastwood get on their way to making movies and. Uh, he never really worked with John Wayne so um, uh, that I know of, so that's great that uh, Don Siegel and John Wayne got to make a movie together, and it's one of the Duke's last movies. Um, John Wayne, everybody knows the story here. John Wayne was diagnosed with cancer, and uh, he, his character in this movie is uh, playing a character with cancer who's dying. He's an old gunfighter, and John Wayne in real life had cancer. So uh the allegory here is amazing you got uh the old west uh gunfighter kind of on his way out in film and uh it, it's that time period and in the west in the the setting of this movie and you got John Wayne going out uh on his uh, on uh out of life so john wayne has this way about him that you know that uh the character in this movie um he doesn't want to go out on uh you know suffering bad poorly he wants to go out on his own terms. He wants to go out how a gunfighter should, uh, kind of similar to how Doc Holliday in Tombstone laughs. Uh, well, uh, in this, funny that is funny because he died without his shoes on, and a gunfighter would expect it would be you know to die with his shoes on, with his boots on. And so, in this movie, John Wayne uh, moves into this town where there's a doctor he trusts, played by Jimmy Stewart, which uh, is really nice to see. Um, and he moves into Lauren Bacall's uh, Bed and Breakfast and uh, with her son, Ron Howard. So it's got a great, amazing cast. And uh, Ron Howard kind of looks up to the old gunfighter slash sheriff. Um, and things start to happen where John Wayne realizes that he wants to go out on his own terms. And he starts to set up these circumstances. This love, this love blossoms with uh, Lauren Bacall. And it also has this whole element of, like this uh sensationalist writer you know how the the legend's what's important in the west not the actual story and we have this sensationalist writer who wants to write john wayne's story he wants to write a story and he wants to tell a bunch of lies and everybody's out for john wayne's story and there's people out there that want to take john wayne out just to have the uh you know the recognition of taking out such a memorable or uh famous gunfighter probably one of the most famous in uh, history at the, at this time um and uh, the, the lines in this movie are great you see the sadness in John Wayne's eyes some of the dialogue in here is priceless very memorable stuff the relationship with him and Lauren McCall is, is typical, you know, like something like Real Bravo where he's always constantly fighting with this female lead I like it, I think it's funny, I think it's clever uh, the relationship between Ron Howard and John Wayne is, is good as well Scatman Crothers is in here as well always love seeing Scatman Crothers and especially him and John Wayne's scene is very very funny uh, we have Bill McKinley from Junior Bonner and the outlaw Josie Wales in here you have uh, Richard Boone you have a really really nice cast to be honest and uh, the sheriff in here his interactions with John Wayne is priceless whoever wrote the script to this movie did a tremendous job the dialogue in here is wonderful John Wayne has a great line where he says you think you're some uh, Lauren Bacall yells at him and says you think you're something special like a uh, on god, a god, godlike figure or something like that and he says no I'm just a, a dying man afraid of the dark and it's just like wow that is so, so touching and sad this release is actually a Spanish Blu-ray there is a German one I chose to go with the Spanish one. It was cheaper to hold me over until the U- U.S. hopefully releases uh, um, a Blu-ray of the shootest. But I, I think it's a really great performance uh, on John Wayne's part. And the shootout at the end, I absolutely love. Uh, yes, it is predictable. A lot of things that John Wayne says do come true, but he is a man of wisdom. And uh, he sets the whole thing up. Everything's set up to happen that way. It's almost like a fate for John Wayne, his own fate that he's setting up. Uh, I think it's a tremendous movie. I think that it's uh one of the last, uh, you know, westerns at the time, uh, with the, the one of the dra- one of the great actors of the West. One of his last movies, and uh, to getting to see, getting him to see to interact with all these legend actors or future legends like you know uh, Jimmy Stewart and Lauren Bacall and Ron Howard and Scatman Crothers and Bill McKinley and all these people was just a treat. Uh, I hadn't seen the movie in years. I saw it on TV years ago, and uh, you know. I remember my grandfather and dad and uncle and stuff talking about the movie. They said, well, you know, John Wayne was actually dying during that movie, and you, you can see it. And John Wayne doesn't die typically in movies, but uh, I don't want to give anything away. But, you know, going out in your own terms when you're dying of cancer, you know, that's not a luxury many people can afford. But uh, a great movie, and uh, I really enjoyed re-watching it. But uh, I really recommend checking out The Shootist. Uh, great stuff.
2: The Western Movie has become an American tradition. Films like Stagecoach, Red River, Shane, High Noon, and The Magnificent Seven will never be forgotten. Now, Dino De Laurentiis presents perhaps the greatest Western of them all. The Shootist, the story of John Bernard Books, the last of the great gunfighters, a living legend. The role is being played by an actor who is himself a living legend, John Wayne, I won't be wronged. I won't be insulted. I won't be laid a hand on. I don't do these things to other people. I require the same from them. You hold it right there. Just throw me your wallet. Yes, sir. A little something extra. Co-starring with Wayne is a group of Hollywood's finest actors, James Stewart. You have a cancer, advanced. How much time do I have? Two months, six weeks. There's no way to tell. Lauren Bacall. Mr. Books, you are a notorious individual, utterly lacking in character or decency. You're an assassin. It's according to which end of the gun you're on. Rubbish. Ron Howard.
0: Would you give me a shooting lesson?
2: Well, a man should know how to handle a gun.
0: How could you get into so many fights and then always come out on top?
2: I found out early that most men, regardless of cause or need, blink an eye or draw a breath before they pull a trigger. I won't. Richard Boone. Well, I heard that you were in town for a very short time. That's true. John Carradine. I'm Hezekiah Beckham, the undertaker, sir. Oh, Beckham, you're going to do to me what they did to John Wesley Harden. You're going to lay me out, let the public come by and at me for $0.50 cents a head. Mr. Books, you're a hard man. I'm alive. Scatman Crothers. Mr. Books, it's pure pleasure to groom your horse, and even a greater pleasure to do business with you. Harry Morgan. Books, this is 1901. The old days are gone, and you don't know it. You've plain, plumb outlived your time. Richard Lenz. You must appreciate, sir, that you are the most celebrated shootist extant. Extant? Still existing. Sherry North.
1: Everybody knows who you are. I'd be Mrs. J.B.
2: Book. I'd be somebody. Hugh O'Brien. Old Book's is cashing in. That's hard news. That's a man I could have taken. This film has the makings of a classic. I would not die a death like I just described. Not if I had your courage. In it, John Wayne gives the most remarkable performance of his career. I'm a dying man, scared of the dark. as he recreates the final days... There's more to be a man than the of the gun. ...of the man they called the Shootist.
0: Deserves got nothing to do with it.
2: When you have to shoot, shoot. Don't talk.
0: Okay, guys, the Pick-A-Movie was by uh, Jonathan Willem. He sent this, uh, 1031, and he picked it. This is a Halloween anthology. You guys know I'm a big fan of Halloween anthologies, obviously. Uh, You know, I helped make one Halloween spookies. Advertisement. But uh, regardless, this has five stories in here. The first one is uh, Old Hag Haunted House. Uh, The second one is uh, kind of an evil scarecrow. The third one is a strange roller rink slasher movie. The fourth one is uh, Christmas versus Halloween in some sorts. And the fifth one is a super bizarre serial killer slasher one. The first one, the old hag one, I think is a really well-made uh, haunted house story or a kind of spooky, scary story about these two uh, wa- uh, wannabe filmmakers who want to shoot this commercial for this old lady in the house on Halloween. And one of them keeps seeing this old hag. The other one doesn't believe him. Of course, it ends tragically. Uh, this movie has a lot of these, like... Uh, like. Um, Drone like establishing shots and whatnot, and they look really nice at first. But then I start thinking they keep doing them over and over again. I'm like, this is starting to show that uh, you know they they're capable filmmakers, but they're working on a budget because they keep doing the same thing over and over again, even though they look nice and they're establishing shots. But that it kind of shows its budget here. This one is well made though, and I think the acting solid, and I like the twist. And it's kind of creepy. The second one is The Best of the Bunch. If they were all this good, this would be uh, like a five star movie. Um, this one it follows the story of these two on a date and they go see a movie they don't like it, so uh, the girl decides to take him out and show some of the, the new guys some of the local mythology. She tells, she takes him out to this abandoned house where these people, it has a, this haunted history. Uh, apparently, uh, this family was slaughtered by the father uh, because this strange scarecrow was around. Everybody got sick from it, and he killed them all, and she decides to screw around the scarecrow that was supposedly put there by, it's like a gypsy curse, and uh, tragedy happens. There's this, uh, of, to their dismay, something bad happens, of course, and uh, the story, there's still more to the story. Uh, the scarecrow looks great super creepy i uh, love the music in this one uh i really love this one this one's awesome the third one is uh this uh strange story about uh a roller rink love uh abandonment issue thing <laughs> and it is super weird there's a little kid in here who's always wearing a mask and talking with a megaphone thing um not a megaphone, but a voice uh, changer. This one's really weird, has a lot of kills in it. Uh, it's ambitious as hell. And, uh, the ending is insane. I didn't love it, but I kind of liked it and I respect it. Uh, the fourth one in here is probably the weakest, definitely the weakest. Uh, it it definitely looks like the, uh, um, the most unprofessional. I think it was probably shot one of the first. Uh, the editing is poor. Uh, there's so many gaps. There's like seconds between like someone will talk and then there'll be like three four seconds and then someone will talk. It makes the acting really awkward. The delivery really awkward. And I'm not sure if it's the dialogue, the actors, or the editing, or a little bit of both. It's just super awkward and just uh, cringeworthy on a lot of the editing and stuff like that. When it comes to dialogue, it just it, it hurts the movie big time. Um, just the weakest of the bunch all around. Uh, not not a particularly good short. Uh, I like the aspect that it's christmas versus halloween and you know santa claus coming in to try to you know get the naughty kids for uh trick-or-treating and whatnot that's kind of a cool concept uh just it's just not executed very well the last one is really weird really crazy not sure what the hell's going on it is a kind of a surreal slasher uh serial killer thing and the twist in here is weird uh, i'm not sure if i really like this one either um I would, I would recommend checking it out for sure. It's a nice thing to put on on Halloween and leave in the background. The first three are all well worth watching, especially the second one is, is excellent. Uh, I think it's uh, all around it's fair because, uh, you know, there's a, a couple good shorts, uh, one great, two good uh one bad and one okay so i mean that's nice out of five shorts you know usually that's what's great about anthologies you don't always love them all but you got at least a couple winners in there and this one has more good than bad so uh i I really kind of dug it but that's a ten thirty-one. uh if you're interested in checking it out it says from the makers of volumes of blood and the barn the barn is tremendous stuff volumes of blood is all right as well
1: good evening my victims
2: and welcome to my halloween monster marathon with me your host
1: Malvolia the Queen of Scream
0: do the Pick-A-Movie. I um, hope you enjoyed the reviews. Uh, let me hop into the Pick-A-Movie for you guys. I think the last person that won was Adam Weber, and he picked Sushi Girl, which I haven't seen, which should be cool. Let's see who's going to win this. If you ever want to enter, uh, just leave your name on the Screaming Toilet book or on uh, YouTube or wherever and say, I want to be entered in the Pick-A-Movie, and I'll pick you. Who do we got here? we got uh, James Grimmer again uh, it's funny it's like I have like different names in the hat but the same few get called maybe their names are just the right length to get pulled I don't know but uh, let me know what you want to pick James Grimmer uh, James Grimmer has a question here. Uh, I have heard from others that Italian films can be confusing depending on the director and how a movie plays out, and I would have to concur with them. Do you find the confusing aspects of such something such as *The House by the Cemetery* make it more intriguing or tend to be a uh, hindrance? I actually enjoy a lot of the nightmare logic. Uh, I don't particularly like nightmare logic when it comes to giallos, unless it's an Argento and it's like *Suspiria* or *Inferno*, because that that kind of. But when it's like a straightforward giallo, you got you got to kind of stay away from a lot of that, or just especially if it's a nice. Tight murder mystery you're like that's weird but when you come to like the bizarre stuff like the beyond and city of living dead and house by the cemetery especially fulci the nightmare logic i love or the burial ground stuff like that mike knight uh do you have a favorite live music performance in a horror movie sci-fi movie i miss those five minute scenes of a local band in a bar or, or club to pad the movie out my favorite maybe uh someday an alien factor i actually love the Monster Club. Uh, from from the movie monster club the one's like monsters are the best that one always sticks in my head there's also uh what is it i think one that's completely nonsensical is hack a lantern uh, goes back into the tv and turns into a a moment uh they're enjoyable i i definitely would go for the uh neon maniacs one at the end uh sorry to ruin your evening um uh, Or, um, do you want it for Monster Club? Like those. Ben Miller, has any film ever gotten so uncomfortable, far into the taboo territory that he almost had to, or actually did turn it off, and took a break to walk away and never finish? Sweet Movie did this for me personally. Yeah, Sweet Movie's pretty rough. I don't even know how they passed a lot of that with the child stuff and nudity. I'm just like, this is on Hulu right now? Uh, but, uh, yeah. Um... The vomit, the slaughter vomit movies, you know, like the Lucifer Valentine stuff. At this point in my life, I would just be like, "Nope." Or if there's like real like scat in a movie, like some like a mixtape or somebody, I'm like, "I'm not watching that." Nope, I'm done. That I, I wouldn't watch that stuff. That would be too much for me. Like real feces and stuff in a movie, no. Timothy Hayes, please enter me in the pick a movie drawing. Russ Myers, being okay uh nick if you could travel through time would you go forward or back and why uh neither because uh, i would screw something up and i would be complete i mean there's lots of things i'd like to change but i know i would make it worse are you a method actor can you turn it off uh with ease uh i think i'm mostly uh not a method actor but occasionally i will be method uh for for example um in hunters they had some like a like got something tied to my arm cause I was holding the camera and I was supposed to be carrying this heavy thing on my arm and it wasn't going to be in frame for a while, probably of uh, uh, the rest of the shot. So I just said, they're like, you want me to take it? I was like, just keep it on. Even though it was uncomfortable, that, that kind of method, that kind of thing. Or, like, if I have to limp, I'll, like, actually bend my toe so it hurts. So it's, you know, that kind of thing. So I guess I'm a little bit method, but mostly not. i had some gnarly death scenes, which was the coolest to shoot, which was the most difficult. Uh, I think the coolest was probably her name was Torment too, because uh, Marcus Cook did the special effects and my head got split. I think that looked cool. I don't know if it was the uh, coolest to shoot, but it definitely was one of the coolest uh, effects, I thought, and that was cool. One of the hardest ones, man. There's There's been some hard ones to think about. Um Headless was really cold and just miserable experience. That was a pretty miserable death. I'm sure there's some other ones that were bad. Plankface was miserable too. Uh, because again, it was getting cold. So uh, there's lots of them that are miserable. Uh, John Wilhelm, out of the two movies, which one is your favorite, the Blob 80s remake or Deadly Spawn? Love them both. Uh, Blob's way better of a movie. But uh, Deadly Spawn, uh, I think I have a personal connection to. Both of them I love. I can't really pick. Andrew DMB, hey Dave, was curious to know if you're a Takashi Miike fan or if you had seen the new one put out in the U.S. by Magnet, The Blade of the Immortal. No, I haven't, and it looks like he's coming out with another one U.S. called As the Gods Will Put Out by Funmation. I'm a big fan of his but haven't heard much on these two films. Also, I wish the U.S. would put out more Asian titles on Blu-ray, especially more Shaw Brothers. I know 88 has a line out, dedicated to a lot of those titles. I wish a company over here would get a hold of the rights and put out a good treatment of them. Anyway, uh, yeah. You know, I wish that we would get some of the Asian titles, especially the Hong Kong titles or the Cat 3 titles like uh, Untold Story or Red to Kill or Run to Kill or Brothers of Darkness. A lot of these I hadn't seen. I've seen some of them, but it would be nice to see like Ebola Syndrome on Blu-ray. Any A lot of the Asian stuff, completely obscure stuff. The Beast or the Five Beast, that movie was crazy. Revenge movie. Never seen it released here. Her Vengeance has never had a really nice release. There's tons of uh, Asian stuff that I'd like to see get released. Uh, but uh, thank you for watching and um, let's hop into the update. Okay, let's hop into the update. What do we got here? Let's start with this one. This is Deadly Games. I heard about this uh, from a couple places. This is a German import. This is, uh, I think it's a, a European movie. I'm not sure, from Amsterdam or something like that. I know that uh, Rob Galuzzo liked it quite a bit on the uh, Shockwaves podcast, so I ended up checking it out. Hopefully it is cool. Then we have... Uh, Shrew's Nest. This is the Spanish Blu-ray that has English subtitles. The German one, my understanding, doesn't. Uh, I really like this movie. I thought it was great. It's on uh, Shutter. if you want to check it out. Uh, real wonderful thriller, psychological stuff, and uh, really twisted. Then we have terrifier this is supposed to be like the sequel to the all Hallows eve uh, short i had not watched that yet i have it uh anthology on halloween again but this looks interesting this is from the dread central presents their first blu-ray uh rob gluzo's involved with that too so you know i'll support them good stuff looks like good stuff i should say then we have the teenage prostitution racket the title alone will make me laugh out loud this is so ridiculous this is a Raro. I've not seen this one. Uh, features on here, I'm not really sure. Uh, it just ha- doesn't really have anything. just has some uh, cut scenes. But, uh, you know, I- I'm a fan of Raro. Then we have uh, Let Her Out, which uh, Moods talked about on the 22 Shots of Moods uh, and Horror podcast. Uh, this is a German Blu-ray. Mm. supposed to be like a little creature inside somebody or a doppelganger or something like that. That kind of stuff interests me. So another German import. This is uh, My Father Die. I heard good things about this from who was it? I think I want to say it was uh, Brad Henderson from the Screamcast. I'm not 100% sure, though. But uh, I've got the German Blu-ray because it's pressed, and uh, the American Blu-ray goes for like $25, and it's a burn-on demand. So it's like, nope, not for that price. Not one I can spend $10 on the German. Then we have uh, the Diamond Guys Volume 2 from Arrow. Not seen this yet. Pretty cool. Three disc in there. One of the last I needed. Then we have, uh, I'm not going to even bother trying to say this, the Shujuin Suzaki Susa- <laughs> Early Years Volume 1. You know my pronunciation skills. Not great. We have th- a book in here. A couple titles. I'm not familiar with these, but I wanted to check them out. You know, big fan of Arrow. so. And then, of course, we have some from the keynote sale. This one's not from the sale. I picked this up uh, from eBay. The Spikes Gang. Lee Marvin. Heard good things about this movie, actually. Sinbad of the Seven Seas. This is an Italian one. This is from the Kino Sale. Who did this one? Ennio Cassarelli. So yeah, the guy did *Glory's Bastards*. Billy Two Hats. Another from the Kino Sale. Uh, Bustin' uh, with Elliot Gould, and uh, it looks like Sid Hag on the cover there, don't it? I bet Sid hagg's in this. Looks cool. Trailer look cool. Then we have Captain Apache with Lee Van Cleef. Yeah. And Stuart Whitman. Stuart Whitman from Ruby, And a slew of other stuff. Then we have The Executioner Song. I think they talked about this on uh, Pure Cinema Podcast. Uh, Tommy Lee Jones. This will you about a real-life killer based on a true story. We have Making Contact this I, know, I think I've seen as a kid. That looks like something I would have rented repeatedly, and the cover's so familiar. I, I really do think I've seen it, but I don't remember a thing about it. And then we have The Man Called Noon from Kino. Yeah, Kino had a nice sale. Sometimes they're like 7 $8. It's hard to pass up Blu-rays for that price. Uh, but uh, thank you very much for watching, guys, and uh, back to the video. Uh, thanks again, guys, uh, for watching and everything, and as always, you guys have a good one.